Welcome to episode 91 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time, and I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's melanieavalonscloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 91 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am great. How are you? I'm good. So I have a new biohacking obsession. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. What is it? It's something I bought with my Christmas money. Have you heard of those ionic foot baths? I have. I had a 
I'm trying to think of what she was called. She was some kind of natural health practitioner that I went to with my son, Will, years and years ago, and they had them at their office. Have you done one? I did do one, yeah. They're crazy. They're shocking. It really was interesting. And then I read, you know, like, some critiques of it, and I wasn't sure it was real. I mean, I, you know, you can read all sorts of things online. So I, I wasn't, like, 100% sold on the science of it. But I do remember it was very interesting. So tell us about it. Yeah, so basically it's a system that ionizes the water, and they say that it pulls out toxins because you have, I guess, your feet are a main method of or main avenue of toxin detox and then there's something about the ionization that does something. I don't know. It is. They are very hotly debated, like you said. I was listening to an interview the other day with a credible MD guy, and he was talking about them, and he sounded very smart, and what he said sounded very smart. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try this. So I ordered one. I mean, they're really, really expensive, but there's like a knockoff one on Amazon, you know, straight from China. That's like not the official one. <laughs> it's affordable. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's crazy. You buy the unit and then you have to buy it like a foot basin. So I bought a, a heated massaging foot bath to go with it. And you put your feet in. And first of all, for everybody, I think the water turns brown, which people say that's the toxins, but I think that just is more the the ionization of the water. So it's hard to tell like what that actually is, but actual physical gunk will appear in the water. I would have loved to have heard that doctor talk about it. Cause yeah, I remember at the time she offered it to us as something in her office and I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I remember there was all sorts of stuff in the water, but then I read about it and there were so many, you know, it's hard to, hard to know when you read so many different claims, then people are like, no, that's crazy. But I would have loved to have heard that doctor talking about it that you that you heard on the podcast that you listened to. A credible source. It was a doctor. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes as well. So the, the two times that I did it, I mean, it felt really good. Like I said, physical stuff appeared in the water. So I don't know where that's coming from. And then my eyes got insanely white, like the whitest I've seen them ever, both times. So I really felt like it was pulling out some stuff. So I'm kind of obsessed. I'm going to do it all the time. <laughs> I have learned that there's a lot we don't know. And just because you can find an article debunking something doesn't mean that that's true because we can find articles debunking intermittent fasting. Exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> so, you know, just because you read it doesn't mean it's true, right? So <laughs> Exactly. I think it's more about experience. And I mean... The reviews, people swear by it, and I've really seen a difference just in the few times they've used it. So I'm going to keep on keep on using it. Well, good. So keep us posted. I will. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. Well, actually, we do have an exciting announcement. Ooh, yay. I'm excited for this announcement. You know what it is. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for listeners... We often get questions from listeners about how to best listen to our podcast because podcasts, you know, they're on different platforms and there are different ways of listening. And we're super excited that we are going to be on a new platform, a new way for you to download the podcast. And guys, it's really, really amazing. So we are partnering with the Himalaya Network. They are actually, this is kind of crazy. I don't know if people are familiar with podcasting in China. I mean, I was not. Were you, Jen? No, okay. no. <laughs> Himalaya is actually the number one podcast distribution platform in China. 
Apparently, they have around 80% of the content in China. And apparently, things work a little bit different over there with podcasting, but they kind of run the market over there. And so they are launching in America. Well, they've launched already. But basically, they're a podcast network, but they're also a podcast distribution platform app. So I personally use apps. I have up until now. I use apps to listen to podcasts. I mean, I know a lot of people directly download from iTunes or stream on the website or different things, but other people use apps. That's what I've used before. Me too. Yep. Yeah. So apps are really great because what they let you do is they let you basically pick your favorite podcasts that you like, have them all in one place and easily search through the content. And so Himalaya is a podcast app. And the great thing is it's iPhone and Android because we know that our Android listeners sometimes struggle to get get the podcast. But basically you can download that app and all the podcasts of uh, like all the podcasts that there are are in the app. It's really, really wonderful. I'm loving the app. It's amazing. You can follow all of your podcasts that you like. So they automatically pop up in your feed. You can create playlists. So then you can pick your favorite podcast, and then you can pick episodes that you like and add them to your list. So it's really easy to navigate. And if you're a big podcast content consumer, like I personally am, where you're always listening to all the podcasts, and it can get overwhelming trying to keep up with what episodes you've listened to, which ones you haven't. So it's really, really wonderful for that. You can just keep it all in one place. And they're it's it's new, so I think they're constantly evolving, but I really, really like it. Like I like where it's at right now. I like where it's going. Like I said, I've switched over now and I'm using it for listening to all my podcasts. And we are there on the app. We're going to be an official Himalaya podcast now, which is sort of fun. We're still everywhere else, but... So can I make Sherpa jokes? Like we will be your intermittent fasting Sherpas as you navigate the Himalayas? Oh oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Sure. Good. Good. Um, (laughs) Some... (laughs) Yeah, no, Jen and I are really excited about this partnership. And a few quick other things about it. If you download the Himalaya app, we're not sure when this is going to start. It might have started by the time this podcast comes out. I'm not sure. But we will be windowing for 24 hours on that app before all the other platforms. So basically, you can listen to us 24 hours in advance if you have the app, which is really exciting. And then also you can follow us on the app and then you'll will automatically pop up in your feed and all of your like your updates and things like that. And we're, we're Jen and I have made it a personal mission and goal to get the most followers <laughs> on the app. So the app's free to download. And like I said, I use it now. Speaking honestly from my heart, I love it. So download the app. Follow us on there and stay updated. And yeah, we're super excited. Get your episodes 24 hours before everybody else. Yeah. So to do that, just download the app and follow us and you'll get us 24 hours early. That's cool. So, <laughs> All right. Now shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Oh, and also, I think it's funny. One more fasting joke. We are windowed on their, oh. on their platform. So you'll have an earlier... Intermittent fasting podcast window. Oh my goodness. See, I'm full of jokes today. So I don't know what it is. It's the new year. It is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So to start things off, we are actually continuing a listener question from last week. If listeners remember, last week was the Brittany episode. We answered not even all of Brittany's questions. (laughs) Brittany has two more questions. So this is continued from last week. 
So Brittany says, I have been about 30 plus pounds overweight for my entire life. Once I had my first child, I realized that I needed to better my health for my son. I lost 30 pounds after a year of working hard and cleaning up my diet. Then I got pregnant with my second son and gained 40 pounds during that pregnancy. What I did to lose the weight the first time just wasn't working the second time around as well. I was able to lose about 15 pounds doing the same thing as before, and then it halted. In August 2018, I did the whole 30 and lost about 8 pounds, and then in early September 2018, I found your podcast and have lost about another 3 to 5 pounds. I still have about 15 pounds that I want to lose. Anyway, my question is about going paleo. I'd like to say I'm a mix of both Melanie and Jen when it comes to eating. I believe in the benefits of a paleo way of life, but I like Jen's approach because nothing really seems to truly upset my stomach with IF. It did before IF. Melanie, how would you suggest transitioning to paleo? Like I said, I did the whole 30, but it was too extreme and too cold turkey for me. Do you think it's possible to live a paleo lifestyle 80% of the time and then live Jen's way of life the other 20% of the time? I love breaking my fast with an organic aged cheese and fruit. And like Jen, I enjoy some Doritos every once in a while. Thank you so much for your guidance. All right. That's a great question. And I'm going to let Melanie take the paleo part because she's the expert there. But I do want to go back and say, you are only about, let's see, 15 pounds away from where you would like to be. And you just started intermittent fasting in September. So... It hasn't been that long, and you're really close to your goal. And another big important clue is at the beginning of this part of your question, you said that you have been 30 pounds overweight for your entire life. So here's something we know about being overweight and length of time, and that is the longer you've been overweight, the longer it can take for you to reverse that. So you're only 15 pounds away, and it's it's taking you a while now. And it may be because, you know, we've, we've heard about set point. Everybody's got, you know, a set point, whatever. And, of course, that's variable. And we, we don't really understand it as much as we like to think we do, you know. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, that's just your set point. But, you know, we don't really know everything about that. But considering the idea of set point, if you've been overweight for a long time, it appears that your weight has been at this higher weight and now you're trying to, quote, lower your set point. So it can take time for that. Dr. Jason Fung has talked about set point in some of his writing. I do think intermittent fasting is your best shot to, you know, quote, change your set point. So I would encourage you to be patient for a while. Let your body see what it's going to do. And, you know, yes, definitely tweaking your food choices is something you can do. And I'll let Melanie talk about that. I'm glad that you're feeling better. That's important. Yeah, you've done a great job. You've lost the weight, almost, almost all of it. But the longer you've been overweight, the longer it can take. What would you like to add to that, Melanie? Yeah, I'm glad you addressed the whole weight part of it. Um, I'll talk a little bit, like you said, to the the paleo and, and all of that. So, Brittany, so your main question, you're saying, is it possible to live a paleo lifestyle 80% of the time and then live Jen's way of eating the other 20% of the time? And yeah, I think that's completely fine. I think it's about, I mean, if that's working for you, then I don't see any reason to sweat it. It seems like you're really happy with what you're doing. Minus the Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like what you're doing is almost 
I don't know if you're familiar with the primal lifestyle, which is a little bit similar to paleo, but it's Mark Sisson's rendition of paleo and it's more inclusive of like dairy and some other things like that. So maybe if you're just asking us for permission to label your eating habit as okay, first of all, I'll say that, yes, like it's okay. (laughs) Maybe you want to like label it as primal and just keep on keeping on with that. I would say if you wanted to be more, you know, closer to Whole30 or more strict paleo, I mean, yeah, the things like the Doritos, the processed foods would be the one thing I would encourage you to focus on if you're trying to if you're wanting to cut out something to become more quote paleo and you're trying to decide between like the cheese, like, you know, the food like that versus processed foods like Doritos, I would err on the side of cutting out the processed foods and maybe sticking to more whole food groups and then maybe just including dairy still in your protocol. So yeah, that's something that you could look at it and and something that you could do. And which I think is really fun is instead of saying, you know, I'm cutting out processed foods, you could think you could look into like recipes and fun alternatives that you could make to replace that. So it's kind of like a fun learning experience journey. There's a whole world of like paleo baking. And that's why I have a lot of my recipes in the back of my book in What When Wine. So that's something to consider. So as far as like transitioning, I mean, it sounds like you are sort of transitioning, like you're, you're sort of there, but not quite. So for transitioning, I just, I do encourage people People, I feel like people are either usually all or none type people, so they just jump in and they just commit. Like That's what I am. Then other people do like a more transitioning approach. And so with that, I'd say you could start with, you know, cutting out the processed foods or maybe cutting out grains and going like category by category and slowly replacing things. So that's an option as well. But I definitely think you can find what works for you. Or like I said, you could just, you know, keep on with the 80-20 if that's working. And I have one other thing I want to add, and it sounds like you've probably read Delay, Don't Deny, Brittany, because you talk about Doritos, which is something I mentioned in Delay, Don't Deny, because I just am a sucker for Doritos. (laughs) I love them. I don't have them around the house usually. I really think I would probably just eat them every day if I did, but my mother always puts them in my Christmas stocking, and so this year I got some for Christmas in my Christmas stocking again, and I tried them, and I was like, I wonder if I'm still going to like them, and I did. (laughs) And bad news, good news, one of my children ate all of the rest of them before I could eat them. I only got to have one bag of little snack-sized bag of Doritos before I could get to the rest of them. Everybody has their thing. It's it's Doritos for me. They have not lost their appeal yet. (laughs) But if you are interested in trying to go to a more processed-free way of eating— I recommended this in Delay, Don't Deny, which is why I'm bringing up Delay, Don't Deny, but look at the science of skinny that I talk about in there. And the science of skinny is based on processed free living and, and eating foods that are not processed. And I did very, very well. The very end of my journey when I was approaching my weight loss goal back in 2015, I followed the food eating principles of the science of skinny for the last bit of it. And I was losing about two pounds a week at that point, just giving up the processed foods. That was it. I just gave up processed foods and also temporarily delayed alcohol during that period of time. So following the the food recommendations in that book really helped me a lot. So you may want to think about that if you're interested in, in finding a way to eat that you know is, is less processed. Didn't cut them out forever. As I said, I still have processed foods when the I mean, shoot, I have crackers every day. So <laughs> crackers or, you know, whole grain chips, I eat those. So I do still eat processed foods now. But if you're trying to lose those last 15 pounds, it really might help you. Awesome, awesome. 
And then Brittany does have one more question. She says, lastly, what happens if you accidentally break your fast? For example, I ordered an unsweetened, fresh brewed black iced tea at a restaurant. I was going to be social, but wasn't ready to open my window for a few more hours and was served a sweet tea. I had a big gulp before I realized, but didn't drink anymore. What do I do? Do I open my window because of this accidental slip of a sugary drink, or can I continue my fast? What does it truly mean when a fast is broken, and how does that magic end? Thank you so much for the clarification. Yeah, that's a great question. So let's talk about the science of what happens in your body when you accidentally break your fast, like you accidentally had that sugary drink. So you drink the sugary drink, it's on your tongue, you swallow it, your brain registers that it's sweet. And so your brain says, aha, we're having something sweet, and your brain sends out some insulin because that's what our bodies use to process the the food that we're eating. Our bodies use insulin to help us keep our blood sugar, you know, where it needs to be, that sort of thing. So insulin takes the blood glucose that's already circulating in your blood. You know, even if you're fasting, you do have blood glucose circulating in your blood. We keep a certain baseline level all the time. So even though you're fasting, you do have blood glucose circulating. So let's imagine you had that sweet drink. Your body pumps out the insulin. Your body does what it's supposed to do, and it then stores away some of that blood glucose in your cells. That's what insulin's job is. It lowers your blood glucose. So it might make you feel very shaky, like you've had a dip in your blood sugar, because that's exactly what you've had. So if you get really shaky and really, really hungry after something like that, I would eat. I would definitely say, okay, it's time to eat. But let's say it was just a tiny sip. It wasn't enough to lower your blood glucose to the point where you feel shaky and bad. Then you can just power through. So that's what you have to ask yourself. You should never be shaky and feeling sick and yucky. That's a sign that your blood glucose has lowered too much. You need to eat. Do not power through that. It it may not actually be safe to power through that, even though you're like, oh, I really want to keep fasting. Don't if you feel bad. If you feel bad, it's time to break the fast because your body thinks, you know, you just had something anyway. Has this ever happened to me? Well, yes. And it's how I know how powerful the clean fast is. And it's also how I know how important it is to keep your insulin low. The first time it ever happened to me was, you know, I had read the obesity code. And so I knew about keeping your insulin low at this point. And I was shopping at Whole Foods and it was almost time to open my window. And so I was like, well, I'm going to be eating soon. I'm going to go home. And on my way home from Whole Foods, I was sipping this um, strawberry-flavored mineral water. It was Whole Foods brand. It had no added sweeteners. The only thing added was like natural strawberry essence or something. So I was drinking that. It had no calories. It had no sweeteners. And immediately, like within 30 minutes, I started to get shaky, and I had a very clear blood sugar crash. So I knew that, I mean, I had to eat like right away. It was not a like, huh, eating would be nice. It was like emergency, must eat now. So that really just cemented the whole connection between insulin release as something you want to avoid during the fast. Another time I had a situation like that after drinking some black coffee at a fast food restaurant, and I mean, it was black coffee. I ordered it. It was black coffee. It didn't taste sweet to me, but... Probably within an hour after drinking it, I was very, very shaky. Like I felt like I had a blood sugar crash. And so, you know, was that coffee tainted somehow? I don't know what what it was that that made me have that reaction. But it was very, very obvious, you know, because I felt different 
than I normally do during the fast. So very, very long answer to your question. But if you accidentally break your fast and you can go on because you feel fine, please do that. Now, this is not an excuse you know, for people to start doing that on purpose, right? <laughs> please don't do that. Just because you feel fine, that doesn't mean it's okay. But you can pretend like it didn't happen if it's an accident and just go about your day. But if you start to feel shaky or weird or sick or whatever, you know it's time to eat. I think it's interesting, though, that um, let's say that somebody doesn't get a you know, a blood sugar drop and they break their fast. There does seem to be this idea just from a lot of the questions that we've received. People feel like if they've had a taste of something that automatically the window's open and they have to break their fast. I don't, it, it seems like a trend and I, and I feel like, I feel like it sort of misunderstands and overanalyzes the, the purpose here. Well, I mean, there comes a point when a taste is going to be enough food to break your fast. Right, right. But so I'm saying that I think it's, it's the kind of thing you have to say, you don't want to do that. You don't want to break your fast accidentally. You don't want to break your fast. You don't want to say it doesn't matter. You don't want to just, well, it's just a little bit. I mean, we've all heard that, that terrible advice that is in some circles, whereas anything under 50 calories, quote, doesn't break the fast. And so people latch onto that like it's true. And they're like, oh, well, you know, this is under 50 calories. It doesn't break the fast. But we know that that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm talking about sort of the flip side of the equation. I kind of see it as the equivalent of when somebody is in their eating window or somebody's eating, doesn't even have to be an eating window, and they feel like they slipped up and ate something they weren't supposed to eat. So then they're like, oh, I ate this. I might as well eat everything. Well, that's why I said if you accidentally do it, you go oh, yeah, on no. like it didn't happen, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not critiquing what you said or anything. Right. I'm okay. Just, I'm. I'm trying to. <laughs> I feel like I'm coming off completely not saying what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is, don't feel like just because if you accidentally broke your fast that you now have to break your fast. Oh okay, yeah. Okay. You know, that's, like yeah, that's that's really exactly if you're what feeling I said. Fine. Yes. Like it's not an Go all on. or none situation. Right. And you're, and yeah. especially if it's like a really small taste or something like that, and you're not having, you know, the low blood sugar or anything. I mean, maybe it'll quote stop your fast, but if it's really, really negligible, I mean, it's go, you're, you're going to process that and you're going to get back into the fasted state pretty quick, especially if you, you know, maybe go encourage fat burning by doing some physical activity or like walking around a little bit. You know, it's, it, <laughs> Having like five calories of something by accident, it's not going to take 12 hours to, to like get back into the fat burning state. And I also have a hunch that some people are more metabolically, fle- I mean, I don't have a hunch. I know for a fact, I know it's true. Some people are more metabolically flexible than others and could handle a blip. Your body could handle it more easily. You know, someone who is very insulin resistant may have more of a negative effect you know, I actually read some studies like that when I was um, researching one of my blog posts about insulin release, that if you're insulin resistant and, and extremely overweight or have been overweight for a long time, your body is releasing more insulin than somebody who's very, very the opposite end of the spectrum. So it could have a more detrimental effect on some people than others. So very individual. Yeah. 
Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein, so I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. All right. Shall we jump into the next question? Yes. And this is from Daniela. And the subject is chef plus fasting. And this really goes along with what we just said. This question matches the last one a lot. Daniela says, I am a holistic chef who makes customized meals for people with special food requirements. And I got introduced to IF by my naturopath about six months ago. Then I found your podcast in September and have finally caught myself up. I love the message you spread and how you understand that everyone is different and not everything works for everyone. This is a philosophy I live and run my business by. 
In all of the podcasts, though, I never once heard a listener or you ladies talk about any chefs that are doing IF. What tips do you have for staying on track, even though I am cooking all day and around food? I am about to open up my own shop and want to practice what I preach and lose those last 20 pounds, but I struggle because I have to taste things. Sometimes I literally... Just let my tongue touch the item or sauce and wipe it off with a napkin just so I can get the seasoning right, but I know that's technically breaking my fast. I prefer a night window because after 16 hours on my feet, having dinner and a glass of wine with my hubs is the highlight of my day. I guess what I'm asking is, am I totally ruining all of my efforts and hard work by my small little tastes? I know the answer is probably yes, but also wondering if you know of any chefs who live an IF lifestyle or any other people whose profession affects their fasting. Thanks for all that you do helping to educate and spread the IF message. Chef Daniela. All right, Daniela. So thanks so much for your question. I loved this question. And I'll just say to start, if any listeners are chefs, if any other listeners are chefs and have this problem or this this situation and would like to provide guidance and insight, we'd love to hear it. Definitely send us an email. Because this is definitely a situation that's very interesting. I was actually thinking about your question, Daniela. Last night, I was listening to a, an episode of the Well-Fed Women podcast in my Himalaya app. Yay! <laughs> and um, they were answering a listener question about a, like a fitness instructor who was trying to stop her identity completely revolving around fitness and the fixation with it. And they were talking about how difficult it is when to be in an environment that is completely contrary to your goal in something like basically like environment is so huge. And it also reminds me of the book atomic habits that I've talked about on the podcast before. And he has a whole chapter on environment and talks about how with habits and your life, it's really, really about creating the environment that is conducive to your lifestyle and your habits rather than even the habits per se, because we're driven by cues we're driven by you know what we see and what we're experiencing. So environment is huge. And I start with that thesis of environment to say just straight up, Daniela, in the environment that you're in, that's hard. <laughs> that's gonna that's a really tricky situation for making a fasted window work. And I, I can't magically change that. Like I don't have some magical answer. I do have some thoughts though and some suggestions. So, well, first of all, your question, are you, you said, are you completely ruining your efforts and hard work by your small little tastes? I mean, if you are constantly having tastes all day and then eating, I mean, every day, it's hard to make an argument that that's a substantial intermittent fasting window. If that's what you're doing, if you're tasting all day and eating, I mean, that's just hard. So you say that you are on your feet 16 hours, which... I was thinking in my head, I was like trying to figure out when you're working. So let's say you're working five to nine. Does that sound reasonable, Jen? I mean, that's the only way I can really think of 16 hours of work. Right. <laughs> that, that's a lot. It's a long day. That's a long day. But we're, we're going to do a worst case scenario. Okay. So five to, five to nine, I guess it could be four to eight, or maybe it's not actually 16, but you say 16. So you want to have the dinner. Okay. And you still want to have these tastes. So what if we do like an eight-hour window, so like a 16-8, and do you think that maybe you could, you know, not taste anything until 
the beginning of your window in the afternoon. So you could do a window of like two to 10. That would be eight hours. Maybe you could like not taste for the the morning part and the breakfast part. And then any taste that you do, you know, around starting around two o'clock or so, be tasting from there on and then still have your dinner. That's really the only thing I can think of is having a window that allows you to taste for part of your shift or part of your work and then still have your dinner. I mean, the obvious solution would be just having the earlier window while you're working, but you said you really like your dinner. So that's hard. What are your thoughts, Jen? Yeah, this is a really, really tough situation because we know the whole key with insulin release is if your brain thinks you're eating. And so with all the constant tasting, that's going to be stimulating you know, your brain to be like, okay, we're having something. No, we're having some delicious sauce. So, And again, this goes back to an example from recent times with me. I was making something. It was over, it might have been over Thanksgiving. Maybe it was when I was, I can't remember what I was making, but I needed some cream. I was going to make something with some cream. And the cream, I took it out and it was, my window was not open yet, but it was going to be open maybe in a couple hours. So it was nearing the end of my fast. And I was like, eh, I'm just going to taste this cream because I'm not sure if it is still good. It like it was a little clumpy. So I tasted it. Fun fact, please don't do that. Because another time I did that, and it was not good, and I was, like, really mad that I did it. But then here I am doing it again. So (laughs) I tasted the cream. The good news is the cream was still good. The bad news is I immediately was, like, starving within 30 minutes from that taste of that cream. So I was like, man, you know, it's so just shocking the difference between you you can be having a clean fast and you're feeling great, feeling great, feeling great. And then this tiny little bit, this tiny little taste of this cream, it was just enough for me to know if it was spoiled or not. And then I immediately knew that my body was was responding to that. And the fast was over physically for me as I went ahead and ate because I had to. So that's that's my, my anecdotal story of what happened when I was tasting the cream. So I don't have an easy answer for this either. I think Melanie made a great suggestion, but this is a tough one. You know, I really, I do not usually cook until it's okay for me to open my window for that reason. And I really feel for you, Daniela, with the fact that your your job requires you to taste because that makes it hard. Yeah. So like I said, if there are any fellow chefs out there practicing intermittent fasting, we'd love to hear. I mean, would you agree, Jen, that I mean the, the ultimate solution would be making her window while she's Yeah, that's that's what I do when I when I want to cook and and taste it because you're right, you do want to taste it to see if it's good. You could have like a, a sidekick taster taste it for you. Give you some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> I know Ariane Resnick, who did the recipes for my book, she's actually she's definitely vegetarian. I'm not sure if she's actually vegan. She might be, but she makes a lot of dishes for like she made a lot of like wonderful paleo dishes but she didn't actually you know try the you know the meat aspects did, of did them. she have someone test them she said yeah she did but she i remember talking to her on the phone and she was saying that she makes dishes like this all the time and some of her most popular recipes actually involve animal products but i mean i guess she really gets the science of flavor and taste and is able to create all of it and doesn't have to actually taste it but yep it's pretty interesting yeah it really is kind of like working at a restaurant and not eating the food there as well. 
Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold control. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just gotta upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. All right. Uh, Shall we jump into the next question? Yes. All right. So we just got this question the other day, but I thought it was great because it kind of picks up on a conversation that we've been having in the podcast. And I like keeping, I like keeping conversations going. <laughs> so the subject is coffee and digestive process. And this comes from Katie and Katie says, hello, Melanie and Jen love the podcast and currently on episode 28. 
Oh, Katie, you have a little bit of voice to go. She says, I started IF about a month ago and I'm loving it. Sorry if you've already answered this in newer episodes that I haven't heard yet, but my question is, I know that it is widely accepted for black coffee to be acceptable during the fasting period, but she says she's still just avoiding coffee because I'm not used to drinking it black yet. However, when I drink coffee of any kind, it definitely seems to get my intestines moving pretty immediately, if you know what I'm saying. So if a big part of fasting is to give your digestive system a break and give your body time to heal, how is it okay to drink coffee? Thank you for reading my question, and I wish you all the best. P.S. I'm a nurse, and bowel sounds are noises that we hear with a stethoscope when listening to the abdomen in order to know if your gastric system is moving and working. I was laughing with y'all when you were trying to figure out what that meant. Much love. I wonder where she's from. She says y'all. She must be maybe from the South. <laughs> Southern. Yep. I, I think so. Yeah. Katie, so you are in the early episodes, but recently we've been talking, we've been having coffee debates about this coffee of food. Does it break the fast? I mean, and we came up or Jen came up with like a really good, we, we, I think we discussed it pretty well on a prior episode. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but I do like Katie's specific question that we haven't addressed that specific aspect. And that's the fact that when you have the coffee, you feel you feel the the intestines the urge to go. So she asked, "Does it? Do you know what I'm saying?" And the answer to that is yes, Katie. I know what you're saying because that's true for me <laughs> as well. I wake up in the morning, have my morning coffee, go to the bathroom, and then I feel good about my day. <laughs> Did I talk about on the podcast about our boat? I don't think so. This is back in the summer. It's it's cold, you know, it's cold here, so we're not going out on the boat. So my husband got a little boat. I mean, it's a very little boat and it was a used boat and we've been going to the lake and he wanted to fish. So he wanted to go early because in the summer it's really hot here and the fish would be biting you. So he wanted to be there like at the crack of dawn. And so it would be dark and we would be, you know, going to the lake. Well, that didn't give my coffee time to work. So I was like, I cannot go to the lake this early. So I was like waking up at like four in the morning so I could go to the bathroom before we went to the lake and I would have my coffee. I'd be like, all right, now we can go to the lake. Is that too much? Did I share too much information? But it just, you know, I feel better when I get up, drink my coffee and go to the bathroom. I feel better. Like literally the rest of the day, like like one time we went and I didn't have time to go to the bathroom before we went to the lake and I literally had a stomach ache and felt miserable the rest of the day. And so I, I don't know. That felt so bad that I can't see the, the coffee go to the bathroom as a bad thing. You're basically summarizing on a small level probably the major anxiety I have around food and bowel movements for me personally. Now that we're just talking about all this, we, we know that bowel movements are on their own rhythms. Typically, like they adjust to circadian rhythms. And it's similar to you, Jen. It's like, things happen at certain times and I like need things to happen at certain times. And it's a little bit stressful because I, I feel like I almost have to like not plan my life around it, but there is that factor to consider. Like you said, not having your, you know, a morning bowel movement or something like that is, it doesn't feel pleasant. Right. And I really, really was like, I cannot go to the lake until I have had time for this coffee to kick in. You're just going to have to wait. And that was a big problem. He did not want to wait because the fish would not be biting. When you when you couple it with IBS on top of it, it becomes. Like I can imagine a, it becomes yeah. a massive anxiety. I think so much of now. I'm just on a tangent. But I think so much of IBS is self perpetuating because 
the anxiety you get surrounding it is the stress is what continues to feed the IBS as well. So it's like this whole thing. So it's close to my heart. Well, I was like concerned, like what would happen if I was on the boat in the middle of the lake and suddenly was like, now it's time to go to the bathroom. Now I'm ready. But that didn't happen. I just had a stomach ache the rest of the day because I guess my body knew it was not going to go to the bathroom on the boat. (laughs) It's just a little like bass boat. So it's not a fancy one with like a bathroom. Not a yacht. (laughs) No, we do not have a yacht. (laughs) Someday. Maybe this year. I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway... I don't know. I, that just, I, I think it's just a natural part of the process. And I don't think that that means that you started, you know, quote, the whole digestive process. It just means that your bowels are moving. Yeah. We talked about this before, but so peristalsis, the, like the, the act of your intestines moving, that happens in the fasted state and the fed state. And we talked about this before, like this, the, she was talking about the, the, the sounds, the bowel sounds. Basically, peristalsis in a healthily functioning body is happening all like a lot. You just don't hear it when you're eating because there's food. But when it happens in the fasted state, there's not food and you hear the sounds as a consequence. So obviously, say if you're in the middle of a mid-fast and you didn't have any coffee or anything like that and your stomach rumbled and you felt like your intestines could, you know, quote, be moving. You're not breaking your fast by your intestines just moving, you know, in the fasted state. Similar thing. So, and I would encourage you, Katie, you say you're still avoiding the coffee because you're not used to it black. The only way, if you, if you, I mean, if you don't want to drink coffee, don't drink coffee. But if you miss coffee and want to have it, try. It really didn't take me that long to adjust to it once I, once I made the effort. It took me like a week or two and then I was adjusted to it. And I swear I've talked about this before, maybe on, on my other podcast, but I really think that the fact that I drink black coffee and now like it, you know, because coffee is so bitter. I really think that it has made a difference with my ability to tolerate bitter foods that I couldn't tolerate before. Like, for example, I now love Brussels sprouts, and I used to think they were too bitter, and other foods along those same lines. So, um, you know, like arugula, I now love arugula. And I really think that it was something about my taste buds with the you know, switching over to being able to tolerate and actually enjoy the bitterness of the black coffee has opened up my palate to be able to enjoy other tastes that I used to wouldn't be able to tolerate. So try that and see. It's funny you brought that up on my to-do list of things to buy from Amazon in the biohacking world <laughs> on another podcast I was listening to the other day on my Himalaya app. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to have to say that after every time, but it's true. They were talking about the bitter taste and, you know, whether or not you perceive it and what that means genetically and all the things. Apparently there are these bitter tasting strips you can order on Amazon. I haven't looked them up yet. They tell you like if you taste bitter or something. Yes, I do. I'm a super taster and I've like, actually I didn't know, used those strips. Oh, you have I bought them. Strips. Yeah, I bought them on Amazon before with my family because we were having this conversation. You know, I have two sons and my husband and we were talking about it. I was pretty sure I was a super taster. So we bought the strips. This is years ago, maybe 2010. It's been a while. And we all tasted them. And my husband and one of my sons were like, this just tastes like paper. Y'all are stupid. And my other son and I were like, this is gross. So it's true. It was fascinating. You got to get them and try them. But I'm definitely a super taster. We pick up bitter flavors in a different way. 
you know, a lot of people who are super tasters can't tolerate the bitter foods. They won't like them. They're picky eaters. And I had a hunch, you know, of how it would turn out because of which one of my children is a picky eater and which one is not, and my husband is not. It really did turn out to be true. It's also, there are other things that that we don't tend to like if we're super tasters. And one of them is like craft beer, for example. A lot of super tasters do not like all those tones and notes in, in this this beer. Like I can only drink Bud Light. So what about, so like in wines, do you pick up on a lot of flavors? Probably, yeah. You literally have different receptors on your taste buds. Maybe I'm explaining it wrong, but you taste taste differently. Whatever it is that makes you taste, I think it's the taste receptors. You literally have a perception that other people don't. In my DNA report, it said I was likely to be a super taster. cilantro tastes like soap to you, I'm guessing? No, no, that's different. Because this is a different gene. That's a different gene. I like cilantro. It's, It's good to me. Now I have to tell you one more thing I learned that's related. Okay. I learned it last night. Okay. So you know the asparagus urine sm- smell? Oh, like yeah. Some people eat asparagus and their urine immediately smells. Did you know until, I don't know when they like found it out, for a while there was a debate in the scientific community about whether or not people, if there was a gene affecting if the urine... If it was genetic? No, n- oh. not if it was genetic... This just seems so obvious to me that they could have figured this out, but I don't know. This is like in time. This is like a Time article that I was reading. It said that f- for a while there was a debate about whether or not people who get the urine smell in asparagus, if it was because they were they they had some genetic tendency to break down the asparagus and create the compound that creates the smell, or if it was a genetic tendency to not smell that smell. Oh, that's interesting. So people were like. Some people were saying that everybody makes that smell, but some people don't smell it, so they think that their urine is not smelling like asparagus, and that's where it came about. Cool. What a cool debate. I get it. But I was like, wouldn't that be really easily testable? Test but, the urine, see if that compound is there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll put a link to the article in the show Or, notes. like, see if you can smell your friend's pee. I know. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess, like, it would take a while... Yeah. That'd be pretty easy to tell. I guess, I, 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 could, I guess because people aren't going around smelling each other, that that's why there would be that debate because people would say, oh, you know, mine's, mine smell, mine doesn't smell. But how do you know? I would totally be like, come in here and see if you can smell this. <laughs> it's crazy. They did say that it's so fast, though, in a lot of people that within 15 minutes, the smell comes out. That's what I've noticed for me. That is that oh, really fast. not not that mm-hmm. fast. It's for like me. fifteen minutes for me. I mean, like I get it really fast, but then it also sticks around for a really long time. Okay, see, like, mine happens kind of quickly like, and stays a while. Okay, plus asparagus is a diuretic, so it's got that going for it too. And so now everyone knows a lot about our habits. I know this, this has been the, the TMI episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> it's everybody fine. goes to the bathroom. Even the Queen of England, I would tell that when, um, you know, I was a teacher for 28 years, and sometimes in the classroom, a child would accidentally pass some gas in a loud way, and they did not mean to. And if you remember being in elementary school, or God forbid if it happened to you in middle school or high school, accidentally passing gas, that's like humiliating. Mm -hmm. And the kids would always like want to die if that happened to them. And I would just, you know, kind of break the ice by saying, well, you know, even the Queen of England does that. They would just look at me. But it's true, right? It is true. Yep. Unless there's some, like, (laughs) interesting anomaly person that does not. Well, they all, everyone passes gas. And I wonder if the breatharians. (laughs) 
do not. <laughs> um, that, that's a whole other topic. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. We do have one more quick question I think we, we can do. throw we, in We here. have time for this one. One more quick question from Maysoon. Where do you think Maysoon is from? I don't know, but that's a beautiful name. Maysoon. And Maysoon says, hello, ladies. Love, love, love your show. Mel mentioned, oh, I love when people call me Mel. Do people in your real life call you Mel? I wondered that. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder like if when you jump to the assumed nickname or abbreviated name of somebody, if that's like, it's like, when is that okay to do that? You know, if, if I'm like writing an email to somebody that I don't know, not like in this situation, I'm not saying it's not okay, but I, I just think about that sometimes. Yeah. Like you don't know, you wonder if they go by that name. Yeah. I love that she, she used it. That means she's known us for, for 90 episodes now. So I'm going to call you May. <laughs> May says, <laughs> she says, Mel mentioned ankle weights a few times. How much weight do you use? One pound. I've been using one pounds while moving around the house. I tried the five pounds, but I felt they were too much for me. I worry about injuring my joints. So yes, May. So historically, when I first started, I used five pound ones on my legs and I used one. I think I've always used one pound ones on my wrists. I still use just the one pound ones, but I have four of them. So I will sometimes put like one pound on each of my feet or my ankles, and then a one pound on both of my wrists. Sometimes I'll put like two of each on both of my arms. So then I've got two pounds on each. But as far as like injuring the joints, I don't personally, I don't have any problem with like the one pound. Even when I put two on, I don't feel much of a problem. I really like it. I feel like it's really nice muscle support. I don't use the five pounds anymore. They were a bit hefty. I do have a 10 pound weighted vest, <laughs> but um, I only bring that out on occasion. But I do recommend, I like the one pounds and then I like just doubling them up if you want to add some more weight. I'll put links in the show notes to the weights that I use. But yeah, that's one of my little hacks for exercise is just instead of doing concentrated weight-bearing exercise, just wearing weights throughout the day while you're doing your errands and your work. And it's like a little miniature built-in workout. So I just want to point out one thing. Maysoon, you already know the answer to this question yourself because here's how you know it. You said, I tried the five pound, but I felt they were too much for me. So that lets you know that that is too much for you. So trust your body. And what you need to do is back off. Like like Melanie said, start with the one and then add another one to it. So now you have two and stop when it feels like too much and like back down one. So whatever feels like too much, do less than that. I just had like a major vision. I should have like a product line of these weights just for this like functional exercise and they could be adjust adjustable you could go on shark tank i could i'll go they could be you. like adjusted <gasps> <laughs> oh man we could you know there's sometimes so things we could like make. just make them ourselves and be on there and then they could make fun of us and say we don't really have a company like they do do you watch shark tank i think i've watched it like once but i know oh god i love it i love shark tank i i feel like i've like i've definitely like met some of the people on it. I've definitely like networked with people that have been on it before. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. I'm trying to remember if I like dated somebody on it. Is that bad? I can't remember that. Um, <laughs> well, I would probably know that the episode because I think I've watched all of them. I'm going to have to like scratch my head now and think who I'm thinking of. Well, if you dated somebody that was on there, I would love to hear that story. That's funny. But yeah, 
I've had some interesting experiences. <laughs> I can only imagine. I haven't dated since 19, gosh, what year is it? I haven't dated since 1990, so it's been a while. But you're, you're dating every day. I'm married. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm having all these ideas. Awesome. Anyways, so a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, there are two ways you can do that. You can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to our website, ifpodcast.com, and you can submit questions there. On that website, that's where we have show notes. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 91, that's where the show notes will be with all the links and all the things. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all of these stuff that we like. So that ionic foot bath. I mean, I haven't put the bitter strips there yet, but maybe I'll add those. Everything is there. They really are fascinating. I would say to do it. Okay. Those will be there. (laughs) So, but there's like tons of stuff on that page. People love that page. And then also you want to listen to our podcast. Um, Like I said, we are now on the Himalaya network, which is super amazing. Definitely download the Himalaya app and definitely don't only download it, which completely free. It's going to completely change the way you listen to podcasts, but follow us, follow us, follow us. Cause like I said, Jen and I are making it like a personal goal to get the most followers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do that click. You can follow other people too, but follow us first. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. And again, this episode was supported by By Optimizers for those digestive supplements and also the Juve Red Light Therapy devices. All the things that we love. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. I look forward to it. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.